Well, in addition to a siren in the background, we have a lot going on here at the Five at First today. It is, of course, Mother's Day. So happy Mother's Day, everybody. It is also our last gathering of this service uh, before we take a break for the summer and return with gusto September 9th. And it is the last in our sermon series called Empty Tombs, which has taken us through several Old Testament texts in which God delivers God's people from death to life. We started this series just after Easter with the story of Abram and Sarah, Sarai at that point, and ended last week with God's people in exile. As we think about exile, we may find comfort and challenge as we progress through hard, alienating, lonely times of our own lives. But you'll recall that we're also talking about an actual exile, the real period of about 50 years when the Israelites were separated from their homeland, a time that tried them as a people and as a people of faith. By way of background, a few notes about the exile to put our text into context. In 587 BCE, the Babylonian army laid siege to Jerusalem, conquered it, and in an attempt to prevent uprising, took God's people out of Jerusalem and held them basically captive in Babylon. So last week and this week, as we talk about exile, we're referring to a forced deportation, a time during which the Jews were forced to live in Babylon, which is modern-day Iraq. The end of the exile actually came as Cyrus, who was king of Persia, conquered Babylon and, doing his own political maneuver, ordered that all foreigners should be returned to their homelands. That was the event that made the way for the Israelites to return to Jerusalem. A pithy way to describe the Israelites themselves during the exile, at least in sort of modern psychological terms, would be to say that they had an existential crisis. Everything about God's people was shaken. They lost their home. They lost their temple, which had been central to their life and their community. Forced to live in a foreign land, God's people, maybe as we would expect, struggled to hold on to their identity, to discern who they were called to be. And their faith was tested as well. In the face of captivity in a foreign land, some of the exiles cried out to the Lord. Some of them lamented their plight and expressed their experience of being forsaken. But others turned away from God. Others created idols and worshipped them, and even turned to the Babylonian gods for help because they perceived that Yahweh was no longer helping them. This is important as we turn to today's text because as the exiles return to Jerusalem, and that is the empty tomb for today, the deliverance from exile, they're not the same people who left it. Time has passed. They've created new families They must learn to be a new community in their old homeland because they've been changed by the experience of exile. But, as we hear in the book of Isaiah, God has not changed. God has never forgotten God's people. In a text that would have been heard both by exiles 
who were waiting to return, still in Babylon, and those who had already returned to Jerusalem and were doing the work of building a post-exilic community. We hear in Isaiah 46 the words of the Lord. Listen to me, O house of Jacob, all the remnant of the house of Israel, who have been born by me from your birth, carried from the womb. Even to your old age I am he. Even when you turn gray, I will carry you. I have made and I will bear. I will carry and will save. To whom will you liken me and make me equal and compare me as though we were alike? Those who lavish gold from the purse and weigh out silver in the scales, they hire a goldsmith who makes it into a god, then they fall down in worship. They lift it to their shoulders, they carry it, they set it in its place, and it stands there. It cannot move from its place. If one cries out to it, it does not answer or save anyone from trouble. Remember this and consider, recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is no one like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, my purpose shall stand and I will fulfill my intention calling a bird of prey from the east, the man for my purpose from a far country. I have spoken, and I will bring it to pass. I have planned, and I will do it. Listen to me, you stubborn of heart, you who are far from deliverance. I will bring near my deliverance. It is not far off, and my salvation will not tarry. I will put salvation in Zion, For Israel, my glory. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Though Isaiah isn't recounting a story in narrative form, which is much of what we've heard here in this service, a story being told by a third-person narrator, these words nonetheless tell us something about what has happened during the exile. And perhaps even more importantly, they tell us who God is. And what God is doing for God's people as they transition from the exile into a new old community. Remember, this text would have been heard by folks who were in both stages of this transition. Those who were already back in Jerusalem and those who were waiting, waiting, waiting. And while being restored to Jerusalem was deliverance, it was good news. It's not all celebration and kind of jubilant homecoming. God's people have been through something. They've been away for about 50 years. And remember, some of them did not keep the faith, so to speak. So the very first thing we hear addressed to God's people is a reminder of who they are. God says to them, Listen to me, O house of Jacob, all the remnant of the house of Israel, recalling for them their heritage, their ancestors, And by referring to Jacob and to Israel, God is reminding them of God's own covenant promises. So very first, God reminds them who they are. Then, God reminds them who God is, saying, You who have been born by me from your birth, 
carried from the womb. This is a particularly powerful image and reminder on Mother's Day. As this is God our mother, God who knew us first, God who knit us together in our mother's wombs. Whatever complicated relationships between mother and child may come in later years, a baby starts with its mother. Before a baby has cognition, before a baby's eyes even work, a baby will know its mother by her smell. This is the primal, basic, first relationship God is recalling for her people here. God is reminding them that God has been God through the exile. God has carried them from the womb. And God isn't finished. The next thing God says is, Even when you turn gray, I will carry you. I have made and I will bear. I will carry and will save. This is a steadfast God who has known us since our beginnings and intends and promises to carry us always, no matter how old we are. We've actually heard a similar refrain a couple of times here in this worship service. Way back in Lent, when Grayson Wales preached on the Last Supper, some of you were here that night, he told a story about how his mama still calls him her baby. And last week, as Will took us through some of the laments of the exiles, he talked about a parent's pity on her poor baby, even if that poor baby is a grown-up. We have this conversation a lot at our house because our children are trying to place their extended family in relationship to us. And so we talk a lot about how, even though Uncle Grant and I are grown-ups, we're still Nana and Pop's babies. And James has leaped to get confirmation that when he's a teenager, which is the end-all to be-all if you're five, a teenager, someday he'll get there. He asks, when he's a teenager, will he still be our baby? And of course, he will. And the promise we have from God is even stronger, even longer, even deeper than that. Because our human mothers will not be able to carry us when we're old and gray, but God will. I have made and I will bear. I will carry and I will save, says the Lord. These exiles are God's own. And despite what they have done or not done in the last 50 years, God promises them deliverance. Referring specifically to the womb The word for womb here in verse 3 in Hebrew is rechem. Can you all say that for me? Rechem. Get a good guttural in the middle, even though it's a sound your mother taught you not to make in public. Not only is this lovely imagery for Mother's Day, but it is central to how God is claiming and caring for God's people. We actually hear a few chapters later in Isaiah 49 what God is doing. And God's actions there are linked directly with this maternal relationship. God's words from Isaiah 49. Thus says the Lord, In a time of favor I have answered you. On a day of salvation I have helped you. I have kept you and given you as a covenant to the people to establish the land, to apportion the desolate heritages, saying to the prisoners, Come out. To those who are in darkness, show yourselves. They shall feed along the ways. On all the bare heights shall be their pasture. They shall not hunger and thirst. Neither scorching wind nor sun shall strike them down. Why? Because, as God says, 
The one who has pity on them will lead them, and by springs of water will guide them. This is God describing God's relationship with the exiles, saying that God has pitied them and will lead them out. Pity might seem to be a strange word for us in our modern context because we associate that with feeling sorry for somebody, but the Hebrew word translated pity here is racham. Sounds a lot like what you just said, racham, racham. It's because it's from the same root, and the root means the womb. So God, pitying God's people, is really saying, I love you from birth. This is a promise to deliver the exiles because of a love rooted in the womb, an intimate and long and fierce love. God's words continue, and I will turn all my mountains into a road, and my highways shall be raised up. Lo, these shall come from far away, and these from the north and the west, and these from the land of Syene. Sing for joy, O heavens, and exult, O earth. Break forth, O mountains, into singing. For the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on his suffering ones. So God's telling the Israelites outright, I'm saving you, and it's going to be great. You're going to be able to exult. But we still hear a refrain from the lamenting exiles, and they say, The Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. God's response, can a woman forget her nursing child or show no compassion for the child of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Again, God interacts with God's people as a mother who does not forget her child, especially a nursing child, a vulnerable infant who needs nourishment and care. In these two chapters of Isaiah, we see three of the most important attributes of God for us. And it is no accident that they are described as the ways of a mother. God is steadfast. God takes care. And God remembers, even when God's children forget. And they do forget. Turning back to Isaiah 46 just after God has reminded God's people that they will be carried and saved, God admonishes them for turning to idols. You heard these words a moment ago. To whom will you liken me and make me equal and compare me as though we're alike? Those who lavish gold from the purse and weigh out silver in the scales, they've hired a goldsmith who made it into a god, and then they fall down in worship. They lift it to their shoulders They carry it, they set its place, and it stands there. So the people have done everything they could to try to make it seem important and lofty and worthy of their worship. But God says it cannot move from its place. If one cries out to it, it does not answer or save anyone from trouble. God alone is God, and God's people in exile, some of them anyway, have forgotten that. But still, God has not forgotten them. God's memory is long. And God is reminding God's people, saying, Remember this. I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is no one like me. Why should the Israelites remember? Because God has made a covenant with them and has a purpose for their futures. 
And no matter how forsaken the Israelites have felt through the exile, God has not forgotten that purpose. In fact, we hear in verse 10, and I wonder if you picked up on this. It's really interesting. My purpose shall stand, and I will fulfill my intention, calling a bird of prey from the east. This is Cyrus. This is Cyrus, king of Persia, who came to overthrow the Babylonians and eventually ordered that foreigners should be returned to their homeland, calling a bird of prey from the east, the man for my purpose from a far country. I have spoken, and I will bring it to pass. I have planned, and I will do it. I will put my salvation in Zion for Israel, my glory. These chapters in Isaiah take us through the ringer a little bit, don't they? There's promise, there's blessing, there's covenant. There's also a pretty hefty dose of admonishment and reminder. It's sort of a lot of emotion to take in. They tell us the story of the Israelites all the way up to and through the exile. They take us back to our births, to God's promises, to God's steadfast care, to the times we forget God's promises even perhaps putting our trust in idols that cannot save us. And then they bring us back to God's memory of us, God's memory of covenant, and finally, to God's deliverance. God is steadfast. God takes care. God remembers. Our human mothers are not God, of course. And again, parent-child relationships are among the most complicated But here on Mother's Day, maybe we can understand at least some small part of who God is for these exiles and for us. Steadfast. God's love for us endures forever and carries us always. You all know that a lot of my reading time is spent reading children's books. And one that has been a classic since it was published in the 1940s is a classic because it captures the fierce steadfastness of a mother, and maybe just gives us a glimpse into who God is. The story is Margaret Wise Brown's The Runaway Bunny. Do you all remember this one? I'm going to read it quickly, but I'm going to read it. Once there was a little bunny who wanted to run away, so he said to his mother, I'm running away. If you run away, said his mother, I'll run after you, for you are my little bunny. If you run after me, said the little bunny, I will become a fish in a trout stream and I will swim away from you. If you become a fish in a trout stream, said his mother, I will be a fisherman and I will fish for you. If you become a fisherman, said the little bunny, I will become a rock on the mountain high above you. If you become a rock on the mountain high above me, said his mother, I will become a mountain climber and I will climb to where you are. If you become a mountain climber, said the bunny, I will be a crocus in a hidden garden. If you become a crocus, said his mother, I will be a gardener. I will find you. If you are a gardener, said the little bunny, I will be a bird and fly away. If you become a bird and fly away, said his mother, I will be a tree that you come home to. If you become a tree, said the little bunny, I will become a sailboat and I will sail away from you. If you become a sailboat and sail away, said his mother, I will become the wind and blow you where I want to go. This goes on and on. You understand what's happening. If you become a tightrope walker and walk across the air, said the bunny, I will become a little boy and run into a house. 
If you become a little boy and run into a house, said the mother, I will become your mother and catch you in my arms and hug you. Shucks, said the bunny. I might just as well stay where I am and be your little bunny. And so he did. Have a carrot, said his mother. Just as this mother bunny is her baby's mother, no matter where he goes, what he does or how he hides, wherever we go, whatever we do or don't do, God is steadfastly our God. This is God's message through the prophet Isaiah to the exiles 2,500 years ago, and it is God's message for us today. God is steadfast. And God takes care There could be thousands of stories to talk about how mothers take care of their loved ones. But I think when we think about mothers, we often think of a selfless kind of care, even a self-sacrifice. A self-sacrifice that does and should resonate with us as Christians. Because our identity as a people of faith is rooted in gratitude for the self-sacrifice of our Lord that provided the ultimate care for us. There's one little story I read recently about how a mother took care of her family before herself. There was a little boy whose teacher was trying to teach the class fractions. She said to him, you have six people in your family. If your mother made a pie for the family, how much of the pie would you get? One-fifth, he said. "Mm, No, said the teacher, you didn't understand the fraction lesson. There are six people in your family, so how much of the pie would you get? No, I understand, said the boy, but you don't know my mother. God delivered the exiles, and God takes care of us. And finally, God remembers. In Isaiah, God recalls for God's people their ancestry, their blessings, their very identity as God's people. Memory is essential to who we are and what we believe. And even when we lose sight of those things, we can trust that God remembers for us. God remembers who we are, who we have been from the womb, even. This is something my own mother really understands. I have always known, since I was a little child, the story of the day I was born. It was in an ice storm on the Epiphany, and I arrived at 10.37 a.m., a full 12 days after I was due. Each year, at least on my birthday and at some other times too, my mother tells me that story. And in telling me, she reminds me that she remembers all the details. And in remembering all the details, she reminds me that her love for me is long and fierce, and that she knew me first. I have borne you from your birth, carried you from the womb, says the Lord. I know you. I remember what I have promised to you, and I will fulfill those promises. On her own birthday each year, my mother calls my grandmother. I didn't understand that when I was small, because I thought other people are supposed to call you on your birthday and wish you a happy birthday. But my mother calls her mother to thank her, to thank her for birthing her and raising her, for knowing her and loving her, and to let my grandmother know 
that she remembers all those things. Memory is at the core of who we are. We are God's own. We are the recipients of blessing and promise. We, like the exiles, are delivered. On this Mother's Day and every other day, we may trust in our God, for our God is steadfast. Our God provides for our every need. Our God delivers us from exile, just as our ancestors were delivered from Babylon. God remembers. May we be ever grateful. And if you haven't already done so today, call your mamas. Amen.